Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, indeed, we're back at it on this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. If you have any kind of a real estate question, call it in or text it in. We've cleared the lines. If you want to call it in, that number is 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Chris and Andy in studio. Good to see you guys. You have a good week. Good morning. Yeah, fantastic. So a brand new year now. What what has this last week in real estate been like? Slow, quiet, busy? No, I've it's actually going. been good. Yeah, we're. Right. I think that tease of the warmer weather, as soon as it gets over 30 degrees, I think everybody gets excited thinking I of think spring. Right. And uh, so the, the showings that we had coming in were definitely reflecting a market that's looking to, you know, get moving again. So Yeah, a lot of... Uh, Buyer calls, people that are looking, yeah. and obviously have to, then these people are selling their house as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's good. I think it uh, – I, I feel good about it. I've been saying that. I always feel good about it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the I think everything's in a good position to be able to go. So you see the right people spending the money, and, and when they do, that usually means the others will follow. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got a little question for you guys. How many uh, – National Association of Realtors. How many realtors do we have? National Association of Realtors. So in the country. Yep. Mm-hmm. How many are these licensed realtors? Yep. Uh, do you know? No, I don't know. Okay. Um, One point three million. What you're and kidding? Of those, twenty nine percent have been in the business two years or less. Well, that was kind of interesting. Almost That's a what third. I thought. Yeah. So it's yeah. it really popped up, um, and but almost thirty percent of them have been wow. in the. Business two years or less. The age, though, of the average real estate agent kind of shocked me too. It was a little older. Um, as it always has been. The used last to be. Few I don't years. know what, what is. It yeah. used to average like fifty four yeah. years old. Yeah. And uh, so we need newer people in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think a lot of people are scared of it. You know, it's one of those things where we've talked about this. You know, several weeks in a row where we're talking. Both of us. You know, at least I am for sure. I don't know about Chris, but I'm looking for new agents too. And youth is a good thing. Um, if you're technology savvy and you want to help people, this can be a very rewarding, fun industry to be in. Um, you don't have to be the salesman of the old days where you, oh, boy, I can sell anything. It doesn't matter anymore. That That's not what it's about. It's more about being 
um, uh, getting the information the consumer's looking for, the stuff that they can't find on Google, as I always say, you know, being the Google-proof agent and uh, having the stats on the local market and putting yourself in a position of value. And, I mean, my gosh, some of the most successful agents we have um, today are, are have been in the business under five years. And so it, it goes to show that the, the new technologies and the new um, information style or educational style of selling is is where it's at. So, You know, we've had uh, text questions we haven't been able to get to. I think today we want to take those. We've got a bunch of different topics that we can kind of hit on. But sure. uh, I want to hit on a few of them if it's all right. Let's do that. Okay. Um, one of them was, is buying a duplex a good idea? In my opinion, it's a fantastic idea. Okay. And I think it's also a great idea for someone that's looking for a, a single family home mm-hmm. as, as an alternative to that. Um, only and if you're thinking about being um, an investor at some mm-hmm. point in life, I mean buying a duplex, living on one side, renting out the other, mm-hmm. you know, living there, and then eventually renting out the other side and going to buy another place. Yep. It's a great way in which to be able to create some investment uh, real estate with um, affordable financing. Right. Well, and it's just like anything else. Anytime you buy something that can create income for you, good for you, right? You know I mean? If it's a piece of land or if it's a apartment building or a duplex, I mean, I think that the concept is that you're making an investment. The investment's giving you a, a very identifiable return to your face. And then, you know, you're paying that unit off over time. You build the equity, you move on to the next. And um, the other thing I like about a duplex, for example, Chris, instead of a single family home, um, what which the duplex kind of, is two units, correct. by the way. That's what that could okay. be on top of one another on the side, or even a triplex. A lot of them, or whatever. Anyway, that's three. The idea Try. there. What's nice, Denny, is that if you have your, let's say, you lose one tenant, you still have the other side producing income, so you're only down fifty percent on your revenue. Versus if you have a single family home, you lose your tenant, you're down hundred percent on revenue until you replace that person. So the revenue stream is a little more protected in in that environment than it is. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing too. I I think when people think, you know, hey, my property's vacant, mm-hmm. they don't think about the other things that cost money, like utility bills. It's not just the payment. So having that extra one, I I, I do Taxes. agree with you. I was always, um, my my plan uh, when I was watching Carlton Sheets late at night was to be able to buy single family homes, like first time buyer homes. Mm-hmm. So I always felt that. Hey, I can. You can always rent those, but when the market changes, those are the ones that kind of go up faster. I didn't quite take into account all the maintenance that had to happen. And you're you're right. When they're vacant, I mean, it started costing you quite a bit of money in oh, which yeah. to do it. And then if it was a, and I did single family versus like duplex or even mm-hmm. townhomes. Mm-hmm. You know where the association would take care of a lot of that outside maintenance stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what starts kind of going. Bad, and then when you have to turn around and sell them, well, you got to fix all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then it costs you money in which to do that. Well, you know, and I think too, Chris, you know, if we were advising someone on buying a duplex, like you talked about, the you know upstairs downstairs units versus the side by sides, and almost like a twin home or something like that. And and what a lot of renters like do like, and I not to speak on behalf of everybody, but what I've observed is that they like their own entrances. So if there's a separate entrance, they don't have to share an entrance to somebody. It gives them their own space. You know, it it definitely makes it more desirable. So if you have that option. Take a look at that. Having separate utilities is really nice because you might turn the heat up on the main floor. The guy upstairs leaves the windows open because he's too hot, and all of a sudden the utility bills are crazy and you're splitting them. So um, whenever you can get yourself in that position, that's that's going to benefit you. All right. If you have, if you have a text question or a call, either one, we'll uh, field your uh, real estate question, 651-989-9226 or text 81807. Uh, you, who wants to grab this? What's the difference between a title company and an abstract company? Mm. 
Okay. Well, a lot of title companies are called title and abstract companies, but mm-hmm. abstracting is they're, they're updating the abstract. Mm-hmm. Title company is actually where they're doing the closings. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different angles behind this, but basically what you hire um, the title company for is obviously to put all the pieces together to make sure that you're doing a legal transaction where you're clearing the title and, you know, releasing it to the new um, buyer. They're also putting all the proper things in place to secure that for their bank and everybody else. So there's a lot of things happening that we don't realize. We think we're just signing a bunch of papers and they get paid for that. They're really making sure that that title and that uh, deed is clean and clear. And then they'll even do a warranty deed like we've talked about before where they warranty that it's even safe um, and and clear. Yeah. Abstracting is part of the process for the title company Mm -hmm. to make sure you have clear title. Exactly. Texter wants to know how, if at all, has the shutdown affected mortgages? That, you know, what's funny is that yesterday I was with Travis Whitford, one of my favorite go-tos for mortgages, and we were out there talking, and he said that the USDA products are completely shut down at this point, where they're, that's the rural, um, you know, lenders where um, you have acreage, and um, and there's rules with that too. But anyway, and then he said it almost started affecting some of the insurance with the FHA, but it has not yet. So everything is still open for business and moving along. Um, yeah, we haven't seen it yet, mm-mm. but I know there's... Um, I mean, to get the taxes, you know, because typically we have to have the taxes um, certified. And if you don't have those, that might be hard for qualifying. So well, obviously if it keeps continuing, there might be some stuff, but we yeah, and that was the other, I haven't seen it. The other aspect, Denny, was the IRS. They, he, they were concerned with people that are like self-employed where you're verifying tax returns and things like that. Some of that was getting a little tricky. That did shut down temporarily, has been reopened, and so they can actually verify. So even the you know self-employed can still uh, close on loans. So. All right. Tell you what, this is our time for a quick break. Let's do that. We come back. Uh, let's invite our listeners again to call in or your real estate type of question. Or again, if it's easier, send a text. The phone number is 651-989-9226. Text number in the meantime is 81807. We have more of those, too, to answer as we uh, come back. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on CCO. If you have that kind of a question if, uh, related to real estate, call it in. Or text it. I say one line is open if you want to fill it, 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. I think we got a a Minnetonka sophomore ready to uh, do some uh, text questions here. After a five-year reprieve, wasn't it? Yeah, she's she's been, (laughs) I think, when was the first time she ever, I think she was like, when we moved to Minnetonka, it was six mm-hmm. years ago, and we had her on here talking about That's how, how long it, ago it was. Remember that, when yeah. a kid is affected yeah. by moving and stuff like that? So and she's already retired. Six years, so <laughs> she was five, nine, nine years old. Wow. All right. Let's see if she's matured a little. Here we go. What is your take on Minneapolis requiring two-inch holes drilled in walls and blower door tests added on to the Tisch evaluation? You got to talk into the microphone, so she didn't learn that part. I did. What is it? The put two-inch the, put holes? the headphones on. Put the headphones on, and then, <laughs> then you, you can, can hear it. it. Now ask Boy, the, these guys are now, okay. Go into the microphone. Okay. Morgan, okay. I'm on your team. What is your take on Minneapolis requiring two-inch holes drilled in walls and blower door tests added on to the Tisch evaluation? Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a. I mean, I know I know it's it's proposed and that they're talking about it, and it's something that you got to do when you list your house. That's the whole Tish um, report that Minneapolis requires. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to cost money, yeah. and uh, I I think what the add-ons to that. What does that mean? 
Yeah. You know, is it just to, hey, it's a disclosure just to let people know or now do we have to fix it? Yeah. I mean, it just can go on and on and on. Well, I'd like to hear the argument behind it. Like what's the what are they trying to accomplish with that new rule? Because if it makes sense, it makes sense. I mean, if they're if they're finding houses that don't have insulation and then they can save energy consumption to a, the point of where it's worth the investment, maybe it's a good idea. On the other hand, if it's just a nuisance fee or whatever, I'm sure the the homeowners that are in those areas will fight that pretty fast. Yeah. I just I I don't I don't like it. So Yeah. That's me. I All hear right. you. Morgan, do you have another one or do we gotta go to Denny? No, I got one. <laughs> all right. Up, what do you have? Updating our home, thinking of painting all rooms except bath, the same neutral shade, also same carpet throughout the house. Good or bad idea for resale in future. One thousand percent a great idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it, it it looks bigger. You can you can get some color with photos and, and, and furniture, but uh, if you keep that the same, it makes the house look bigger. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's something to be said for staying neutral. If you look at a lot of the home builders that are out there, what they try to do is present you with the new technologies, the energy savings, the cool floor plans, and then they keep the colors kind of neutral and allow you to come in and make it your own. I think that's a great strategy. And it becomes less confusing. And if you don't believe me, you go go to Zillow, go to any of our websites, and then go through the MLS and start looking at houses that have multiple colors. Mm-hmm. And, and different flooring transitions. Yep. And what happens is, I guarantee you, you'll start going through it. And by the time you get to number 11, you'll skip that place. Well, and That's what happens. And I've had people, too, where they take advantage of the remnant carpet, right? So they, they do a bedroom at a time, and they're all different colors. People stop in their tracks a lot of times and go, what? They, you know, they can't figure it out. You know, it's kind of confusing. So it um, looks too hodgepodge, you know. So um, just consider that if you can see from other rooms, see other colors, other carpets, whatever, Sometimes it is better to actually keep that in a neutral fashion um, or in the same shades. 651-989-9226. Text in 81807. Another one? I think I don't think she has any left. Oh, oh they've got a newer one here. How, what do you got? <laughs> uh, the buyer has requested to move items into the home, a garage, two days prior to closing. Is that a good idea, bad idea? If allowed, what type of precautions, uh, precautions rather, should be taken? I get asked this every yeah, I just went through it in the last couple of days. Yeah. And um, what, what do you think first? Okay. So I, I know for a fact, like when you're in the new construction environment, the builders cannot. And it, it's against their insurance. It's all the subcontractors that are waiting to get paid at closing assume that people have moved in. So it creates chaos. Um, and then we worry about theft. If What if somebody knows there's a bunch of valuable items in that garage? Who then is responsible for those items if they get stolen while it's still the possession of the builders or the homeowners? So you, if I've had it work where we've had insurance policies that have been provided where the buyer coming in, putting their things in that garage or basement, um, I almost prefer the, the, the lower-level basement if it's unfinished or something, if they have a walkout, because then you know it's secured inside the house. It's, there's not you know rodents. There's not um, whatever that can infest those um, area and, um, or damage. Well, and I think I think the big thing is is if they have possession, whether it's in the garage or in this house, it doesn't really matter. I mean, because they have possession there. But I think you also have to remember damage, uh-huh. you know. And if there's damage done by the people moving it in there, and they haven't done their walkthrough, so right. I always see a move-in agreement. Right. And so now you're set. And now mm-hmm. if if the house doesn't it falls through, there's provisions in place that mm-hmm. let you get them kicked out. And or there's it's called a holdover clause, mm-hmm. which means if they stay longer than it is, you'll actually get paid a lot more money for it. Sure. So by doing that and just contractually do it, make sure that the buyer has their insurance in place mm-hmm. as well as you keep, uh, from a seller perspective, keep your insurance in place well, as well. And I had this happen. Last year we had a, a seller that had a big, beautiful barn that they cleaned out. And the new buyer coming in was coming in from out of state. 
And those two, without my knowing, <laughs> filled up this barn full of stuff. And then closing got delayed 30 days. And then it got delayed 30 days. And then I got the call of the, well, what should I do with all their stuff? That's where it becomes tenant law as well, too. So they, they didn't have an agreement. Well, they didn't tell anybody. you know. And then there's, it becomes – so here's what I would say. I would caution you against allowing someone to do that. I would say there's a 75% I would say no, 25% I would say yes under certain circumstances with everything in writing. Yeah, because sometimes it's those types of things catapulted to other things that maybe would destroy a closing if you didn't do it. You know, but mm-hmm. just to be able to, you got to be able to protect yourself. So in the worst case scenario, hey, we, we need to do this it's to make it all work, mm-hmm. you know, just protect yourself. All right, let's take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. You can call us or text us with your real estate questions, 651-989-9226. Text in the meantime is 81807. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of the real estate show. Again, if you have any kind of a real estate-related question, 651-989-9226. I see a line open. Or send us a text at 81807. Chris and Andy yeah. in the studio today. Yeah, I know we had a call from David. He yes. was asking about first-time grant money. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get that answer for him, so hopefully we can do it by the end of the show. Okay, good. Thank you. And the reason why we don't answer that, though, too, is just because it's city by city and there's income windows that you have to hit. So when you ask that question, it's very it's very uh, easy to say no. Uh, it's, it's harder to say yes, and here's how you get it. So we would love to help them. Want to be right. Want to be sure. right. Correct. Very good. Margaret, you're back on. Okay. Is the market changing to a buyer's market? Wondering if we should sell now, even though even though it would be better for us to sell in two years. I just don't want to miss the boat. Your thoughts are appreciated. I'll tell you what. Uh, ever since about 2006, uh, my standard response has been, you, you know what we're dealing with right now, and we don't know what's going to happen later. I mean, mm-hmm. I always do that when I go and price a house. You know, usually we come in early, tell them what to do, and then they don't go on the market for, you know, uh, two weeks to five months. Right. And I always say that, you know what, we have to price it when it's that time because mm-hmm. we don't know where the market's going to be. We don't know what we're competing against. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the interest rates are. You don't know what the market conditions are. So and and we really don't know what you're going to do to fix the property up as, as well at that point. Yeah, and you know, uh, so we just got a text in from Brent Anderson up in Brainerd. He said, "List now up there if you're in the North Met or way up in Brainerd area, mm-hmm. Pequot Lakes, you know, Cross Lake." They said the market's sizzling hot. And uh, here's what I would say too: you know, I think a lot of people have concerns about you know the economy. Are we heading into a recession? Are we whatever? I mean, unemployment's you know fantastic in, a, in you know some of the best numbers we've seen. Um, the default rates on mortgages are some of the lowest we've seen in 18 years, you guys. That means people are paying their mortgages. So the odds of the housing market going bad are, are really tri- – I, mean, I don't know how it could happen. But can it stay slower? Can it stay where it only appreciates 2 or 3%? Yes. And I think that there's – you know, to me, that's one of the things that I see is happening is that we're also seeing – the um, senior generation, if you will, that's not selling their houses because they don't know where they want to go or where they want to go isn't affordable. And so there's kind of a stall of the affordable housing. And I think we're going to kind of struggle through that all through next year. I mean, I really do. I think that housing, new construction now, Denny, too, we're looking at um, every builder I know is coming out with a more economic um, uh, or lower priced product to get the lower price points. And so they're, they're just, you know, um, trying to compete in the marketplace because the the six hundred thousand dollar plus houses are selling, but there's a limited audience for that. There's a lot of people that would build under three hundred if they could, but they can't find the inventory. So there's there's a lot of interesting things happening that I think we can have a good year um, or an okay year. 
Well, I think there. I mean, consumer confidence is such a big thing uh, when it comes to uh, the market, and if they're feeling good. Um, and uh, National Association of Realtors, when I was looking up your, my little trick question for you guys earlier, it also had um, – they uh, interviewed a bunch of sellers, and it was like 70 80% that everyone feels that it's a really good time to sell. So mm-hmm. that, that tells you a lot right there. Well, you know, and think about this, though. If you bought your house back in 2003, 4, 5, and, and you were, now you start looking at what the house is worth, you can move. I mean, you, you can almost capture all your money back. I mean, there's very few people that have neg- negative equity right now, even on the bigger homes. And so if you want to move, this is a great time to move. I mean, if you can get that number. But now that's assuming you did not defer maintenance. That assumes that you've kept the house in what I consider marketable condition and in, in ready to sell shape. I think what's interesting, too, is that we've been having open houses and at some bigger houses. And we get a lot of the people that are coming in there that are trying to decide, hey, should we do this to our house and, like, fix up our own house? Mm-hmm. Or should we just sell it and then move off to the next one? And so I think that's kind of interesting. I think people are finding out, you know. I mean, all sure. the remodels now, everything starts with the two, you mm-hmm. know, because, I mean, it's expensive and there's and, and people are really busy. But Well, look at again, the last hour listening to, to Andy Lindis talk about how, how they're booked out. I mean, it's that is that's remodelers world right now. By the way, wonderful job to get into as well if you're looking for a good position to be busy, well-paid, very rewarding uh, remodelers. Um, but it's, yeah, that'll be growing, I think, for many years, too. Yep. 651-989-9226 is the phone number, or send a text, 81807. I got some some old ones, um, and it basically was talking about stigmatized properties. You know, properties that I would say, I mean, I, I assume what they're meaning is that something that doesn't sell, something that's wrong with it, and I always tell people when I, when I come in second, what that means is that the first time it kind of failed. I said if nothing changes, sometimes nothing changes. There's there's there is times where maybe it wasn't marketed correctly, mm-hmm. you know. But typically, what happens is that you're overpriced or you didn't do the uh, you you didn't do what the buyer for that property wanted done. And I think what happens is that. They're a lot more apt to listen that second time. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. obviously thinks their house is fantastic and it's great. and It should be the best thing ever in the world. But they might think it's great for a certain reason, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole buying public doesn't think it's great for a certain reason. And they're not going to be able to pay for that. So um, I think for a stigmatized property, um, a, a real important one I see when we're listing it from uh, maybe the first time it didn't happen, you go to the second time. I, I've seen a lot where the pictures almost look the same. Mm-hmm. You've got to switch like angles and stuff like that because if it's been sitting out there a long time, mm-hmm. you know, people just say, oh, that's the same one. And then they start looking into it. But if mm-hmm. you if you reposition it, you know, and, and create it. So maybe you had um, some bad photos. Now, all of a sudden, now we got to do some aerial shots or maybe some night photos or something like that. That's good advice. A text just came in. Uh, it says, uh, I keep hearing these ads for realtors who consistently sell houses for more than the asking price. The way I hear it, Texter says, is that they did not price it right. Am I wrong? <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> now, I think it, it depends. I mean, if you – miss. It, well, I mean, if you price it properly, mm-hmm. you know, and do it right and do everything else that, that goes along with that, and that means that, you know, it's clean – Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good property. You get a good buyer pool. You, if you price it right, people will then emotionally start going and paying over that price for it. Right. You know, where some people say, you know what, I know it's uh, one eighty nine nine. You know, but gosh, 
let's go 199.9. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you would have gone 189.9, you might have got more than when you listed at 199.9 mm-hmm. because people are fighting over it. And then they push it and then it becomes an emotional thing versus like a logical thing. I think the best the best way to approach today's market is be fair. If you can have it right close to the where the market is on the house, you'll have that environment of where people recognize, especially as well-educated as the buyers are nowadays and the amount of time they spend out there bidding on houses, um, they'll recognize that that's a fair price and they'll bid at or more than um, versus if you overprice it. And I always use the analogy of a, let's say you're going to go buy a riding lawnmower and every riding lawnmower is $5,000, but the one down the street, they put it at 7,500 and, and it's just, nobody wants it. They don't want to negotiate. Even if you have better features on it, it's just that it, it you're better off listing it at 5,100 or 5,000, right? With the other ones, you'll sell first because that's what you're worth anyway, you know, but it's, and that's what when people go into a brand new listing that just, mm-hmm. just came on the market and they get there within four hours, they don't go in there thinking, well, you know what? They just priced at that because I'm sure they're going to take this price. Right. They don't think that. They think, hey, the list price is where it's at. I've got to pay that or more. Mm-hmm. But gosh, I'll tell you what. It's just maybe just a little too high. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's go look at a couple more. Minnesota and Nice three is weeks later, it happens. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. Nice is frustrating, Denny, because, I mean, they don't, they don't, you'd think they'd come in and want to have some teeth on their offer and low it. Low ball yet? They don't. A lot of times you're better off just, like we said, pricing it fair. Here's what maybe Andy, uh, Chris, wants to field. Where is there any building of new entry-level or second-level homes in the North Metro? Boy, I've got all kinds of stuff. Um, That's that's Andy's territory. Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, everywhere from Lionel Lakes, Forest Lake. um, What's affordable? Affordable is under 300, in my opinion, where I can get you under there. But, I mean, you know, you get into the 325 to 350, and now you can almost double the the square footage of the home. Um, You get the three-car garages. You get the extra bathrooms. Um, and, and so anyway, so yes, there's, there's lots of opportunities at that 35E, 35W. So what would you consider entry level and then second level homes in the North Metro? I don't can, you know, okay. So yes, that's a fair question. So entry level to me would be like a two bedroom, one bath, two car garage home, because I think of somebody that's entering the market of buying homes. Like a right? split entry. Yeah. I don't think of it as a status symbol, like entry level. I think of it more as it's just a, somebody that's buying their first house. And so that house might sell for 290. And then there's people that say, well, geez, for 290000 I'm only getting two bedrooms, one bath, two-car garage. Why don't we spend three twenty five? have the basement finished, add a third stall to the garage? And that's what I'm seeing a lot of right now is where they're building that split entry with the three bedrooms on one level, two bathrooms, basement finished, three-car garage, and they're in that three twenty-five to three fifty. We're also seeing a ton of three levels that are being built now, which is has a little different of a flare. It has like the Rambler zippered into a split entry style home where it's you go up eight steps or down eight steps, and it's really nice. Bedrooms are up, family rooms are down, kitchens on the main level with the living room. And uh, those houses are fantastic too. What did you call that? I call that a three level. Three level, you? yeah, okay. it's a three level. I just okay. I said it's you like said having something a, about a zipper. It's like having a Rambler zippered or stuck wow. to <laughs> glued to a split entry. Now that's an analogy there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think everyone needed to I'm see the hand signals. Like contract. Yeah, I was no. moving around a lot. The hands make a Got difference. Excited. It loses a little on the radio, but the hands yeah. still works. All right, tell you guys we have to uh, take a quick break here. Uh, more real estate show to come. Six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on CCO. If you have uh, that kind of a question, call it in or text it in. There's still a line open if you want to fill it. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Send a text if you like uh, at eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. I was looking at a text, guys. I'm not sure if it's uh, well. It's a question. Uh, you were talking about affordable homes 
and as far as the uh, any building new entry level or second uh, second level homes in the North Metro, uh, Texas says two bedroom one bath. Why not rent or buy a condo? Because it's about twice the price, and you don't get the tax right off on the interest. Okay. If you have enough interest nowadays, we can't talk. Give tax advice. No, but, but I just uh, there. There's the mortgage interest deduction that's available. I'm not giving yeah, advice. I'm it, just telling them what is available. You're giving tax advice, but anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. But uh, first off. of all, renting. I mean, yeah. you're not you're not set. I mean, you might right. they might kick you out. Uh, but buying a condo is is not a bad thing. But some people don't want to live in the the apartment kind of feel. Well, and there's there's so many people. I I don't I just don't understand how people find comfort in rentals when rentals can go up at any time. They can change your lease. You know, they can decide that we're not going to continue your lease. You've got to move. Somebody controls where you live. When you own a house, you control where you live, which I think is cool. You know, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. You know, we got. Uh, Next few weeks, we got some uh, good shows coming up. Dean Nelson with Homes by Tradition is going to be on. Uh, he was oh, cool. Builder of the Year in 2016, so that'll be fun. David Arbit uh, with the Mar Association. Um, what is Mar? He's the numbers guy. If you remember him, Denny, he uh, – I What's love Mar? This guy. Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. Yeah, yes. and he is the numbers guy. He breaks down everything. So that that'll be fun. He's coming in two weeks, and then uh, we're going to do a, a Wisconsin property. Everyone, nice. I mean, we're right on the edge here, and talking about like the differences between buying in Wisconsin mm-hmm. or selling in Wisconsin versus Minnesota. And they're not building a wall between the two. No walls. <laughs> okay, no gotcha. Walls. Gotcha. A wall of cheese. There's a big a wall of cheese. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Just going to start eating that. Oh, man. Let's go to the phones, guys. Uh, Blake is calling from St. Anthony. Blake, the guys are listening. What is your question, please? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, great show. Um, so my question, I just want to give you a little background about my uh, where I'm sitting in my situation now. So I, I had a, a duplex that I purchased in Minneapolis, and I lived there for a number of years. And recently I, I purchased a home. Um, with my wife in St. Anthony. And now I'm to the point where I'm wondering if I save up and, and, and buy another rental property somewhere in the twin cities, or if I, um, or if I pay off the mortgage on the, the duplex with the, the rental income I'm making there. So, and I was curious if there's some different caveats around when you have multiple rental properties, there's different things you can do with applying for mortgages or there's different levels of, of down payments and needed. You so bet. maybe if you guys could give me some insight into that, that'd be uh, much appreciated. Let cool. me ask you one question, Blake. Are you, are you a handy guy? Can you do the work yourself? Repairs uh, and stuff? I have a lot of handy friends, okay. but I am not very handy. No. That's like having the friends mm-hmm. with the pool. It's a much better way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, what do you say, Mr. Prasky? Um, well, you know, it depends on your financial strategy. Um, having something paid off is very gratifying for personal reasons. Um, the income then can be directly brought through to you that takes pressure off of you as an earner. Um, if you're looking at it as an investment portfolio and you're going to keep investing it, now you've got a lot of equity tied up in a property that's giving you a limited return. There's a cash-on-cash return that you have to look at. And so if you're making a certain percentage, you're going to want to take that cash and reinvest it somewhere else so that that can make another percentage. So generally, you're, you're better off leveraging as you're growing a portfolio versus sitting back. Like if, if Chris was retired, 
he may want to say, I want to have these all fully paid off so that it's direct income to me. Right. And, you know, so it's a different strategy. Blake sounded younger on the phone here. So. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, a, another thing, Blake, mm-hmm. if he's thinking about, I mean, going with another investment property, mm-hmm. he also might be able to use that home in St. Anthony. Yeah. As one as well. What a great you know, city. I'll tell you what, yep. some of the upper bracket rentals are really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're people, it's not because they can't buy a house, but it may be their situation. They might be moving in two, two years or something. But I think the other thing is you can do a portfolio loan, including mm-hmm. that other, that investment property that you already have. Yeah. So if you have a ton of equity in that, maybe you can buy another one at the same time and the mortgage is just on both properties mm-hmm. at the same time. So there's a lot of little fun things that you can do. If you want to be in that, you know, I was never, I, the problem with me, I had, a, we had a, quite a few of them and uh, I just wasn't very handy. And so we have mm-hmm. to hire everyone. So when a, when a plumbing problem happened um, on a Sunday, we had to have a plumber out there on a Sunday and sure. that starts costing a lot of money. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Dan is calling from Blaine with a question. Dan, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I got a possible uh, house that's, going to go on foreclosure possibility to buy. Uh, and on the mortgage amount, there's a deferred principal amount on there of of an of amount. I was just wondering what that is. <laughs> uh, that's a modification, my friend. We and just they, talked about it last week. Yeah, right? these uh, we just had this happen to a couple of our clients now where they've gone to where they think that, you know, all the money that they had that wasn't being paid or that was deferred or whatever goes away. And they don't see it on their mortgage when they call for their payoff. When they go to sell, all of a sudden it comes back alive, and now they're trying to collect on it. So, um, yeah, that's they're. I'd guess it's almost like having a second. I'm not sure. I'm not again the, yeah. the mortgage guy, but but I, I tell you, but if it's going to be foreclosed on, I mean, mm-hmm. or you want to work on it on a short sale, just know that you're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. That's good that they've actually you can see it. Know that yep. there's deferred principal on it because it won't become a problem the day of closing when the right. seller doesn't have the money, but. Uh, that could be a short sale too if it hasn't. I mean, there's a different foreclosure. Well, and I was going to say to you, Chris, though, too, the, the the listeners that are out there that say, okay, I'm aware of a foreclosure. I know all the stats. I know all the paths. I know all the whatever. It doesn't mean anything. And you can have all that information and it'll be good for nothing because what will happen is, is people spend a ton of time researching. It comes right down to the person that's foreclosing on it. What do they want to sell it for when it's up for sale? They may not want to sell it. Some properties right now you see they're vacant. They hold them and they just pay the taxes. They mow the grass. Um, so it may not go for sale. Your best strategy would be possibly approach the person that's being foreclosed on and ask them, hey, is there any way that we could work together on doing what they call a short sale? That's where you call my buddy Jeff Zwiefel, and he works with both the banks. He looks at the deferred payments, and he negotiates with everybody to get you that property at what's considered to be a fair market value. But it doesn't mean that everybody has to agree just because it's a foreclosure. And I think that we all chase foreclosures because we want the, the screaming good deal. But a lot of times those foreclosures are not – bringing them to the market where they're, you know, need maintenance. They're fixing them up and selling them at full retail. Text uh, just came in, and I bet you guys get this question a lot. How long should I stay in a house before I can sell without losing money? Depends what you bought it for and what, what the market has changed mm-hmm. um, and what you've done. And I'll tell you what, typically we can always find a way in which to be able to increase the value of your home that you haven't done that's going to make you that extra money to be able to get out. Yeah. You really yep. can. Want to do that phone call quick? Uh, we, the top one? The, oh, yes. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that. Uh, Gene in White Bear Lake. Hello, Gene. Hi there. How are you? Good. Uh, sounds like I need to make this kind of quick, and I will try to. <laughs> I'm thinking of selling my lake home up north, and uh, I'm wondering at what point do I advertise or 
want to include a pontoon boat, pontoon boat lift, fishing boat, etc. Mm. Um, do I do that at the end? Maybe people aren't interested or whatever. Do I include it in the price of the home? I I I, I prefer that. You, you don't include it in the price of the home, that you hold that back. Mm-hmm. You always get more for it later, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but maybe the dock stays, yeah. you know, but any of the boats and that, keep in personal property personal out because that gets yeah. weird. It does. Plus, you know, it, it gets down to where, you know, somebody coming in, then it, they almost like want you to warranty it and say, well, it worked the day we closed and now it doesn't work and I thought it was worth this much and it's really not. It just it gets things clouded. I think if you were negotiating, I've seen where people in the past have done this where they'll say, you know what, we'll take this price if you throw in the whatever. And right. I've seen it that way. And that works out the best. Or, hey, if you take our Make price, ask for it. or if you take our price, I'll give you my boat. Right. You know what I mean? Use it for some value. Yeah. And then the other thing, if you don't leverage. use it in negotiations, wait through the inspection too. Mm-hmm. Because you might have some things come up in the inspection and say, hey, rather than doing that, why don't I give you my boat? Perfect. And now you made something out of it. You should sell Lakeshore, Chris. You're kind of good <laughs> th- at that. I think I do. I think he has done that. <laughs> Guys, we have less than a minute to go. Why don't we uh, f- find out, uh, tell everybody how to get in touch with uh, you guys uh, individually? Well, you know, uh, why don't we go to Chris? You are Prasky.com. And you're ChrisRooney.com. <laughs> yes. And we also have phone numbers. Yeah. But I don't know yours. I don't know mine. I know. You just go kind of on their contact thing. Yeah. But 952-270-5595. Yeah. And I'm looking for new agents, too. We've got uh, quite a few opportunities coming up this spring. So if you're looking for opportunities, I'm in real estate. You can give me a call at my office, 763-433-0850. And all our podcasts are on radio.com, too. That's awesome. Yeah, excellent. Guys, we'll see you next week for more of The Real Estate Show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.